1: Conspiracy Show with Richard Seren from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the broadcast for Sunday,
2: February the 26th, 2012. And yes, I have come to terms. Uh, I'm, I'm taking a back seat to Billy Crystal. Even my wife is listening and watching Billy Crystal. <laughs> uh, who can compete with that? Well, we will. We will. Of course, yes, they're handing out the uh, the hardware in uh, in Hollywood tonight. Uh but we're going to talk about Hollywood in just a few moments in our own special brand, our own special style here, as we do on the conspiracy show. We're going to meld the topics of of UFOs and the motion picture industry with uh, Victor Vigiani, the executive director of Zealand News
3: Network, who joins me in studio, Victor, how are you? Just fine, it's great to be here it's uh we didn't really plan it this way i, I guess for for holly- Hollywood night and uh the Oscars, but it just seemed to have worked out that way it's just it's um it's
2: like uh, uh, Shakespeare in love um the uh, the the um Jeffrey rush character Shakespeare kept saying, how are we gonna put the play on? We don't have any actors or they're closing down the theater how is how is this all gonna happen? It's a mystery it just happens it does. A little bit later, uh, Stephen Bassett, a UFO lobbyist, registered UFO lobbyist in Washington, and, of course, executive director of the Paradigm Research Group. If you've been following, of course, uh, uh, the White House, uh, the Barack Obama administration, ha- has um, have these uh, online petitions, and uh, they're called We the People. And so Mr. Bassett has taken advantage of that, and... Uh, uh, Got enough signatures on to get the uh the disclosure petition one off the ground mm-hmm. last year yeah what what
3: was how many peti- uh, how many he signatures got, he did got, got need? over twelve thousand twelve thousand four hundred and plus i think uh, yeah.
2: and he was petitioning the government of course mm-hmm. to disclose or to make some sort of a statement about what they know about right. u f o s to acknowledge a formal acknowledgement mm-hmm. and in fact mm-hmm. last uh, fall winter. The U.S. government, the Barack Obama administration, ended a 64-year silence on the subject and said what, basically?
3: Well, basically, they said that um, they don't have any information that UFOs are real and that uh, these things uh, are just, you know, basically folklore and and, and fictitious. But what it did do, it broke that 64-year-old silence that the White House uh, had maintained. Uh, about about UFOs, and they actually came out. The Office of Science and Technology Policy, a fellow by the name of Phil Larson, uh, representative, more or less an underling in that, in that department, came forward and made a rather, um, uh, not a bold statement, but a very clear statement that UFOs were not real and there's no evidence about them. But in, in, in even addressing it, that made history in the fact that the White House actually spoke about UFOs and made some sort of statement about it. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, my, my opinion of that is if it's not that important, why make a statement about it?
2: Right. Reminds me of, uh, you know, the old dirty tricks, uh, not dirty tricks, but LBJ used, used to say, you know, uh, I'm, uh, you'd call his political opponent, you are a liar. And, and one of his aides would say, you can't say that. That's not true. He says, I know. I just want to hear him deny it. <laughs> so it's the same, same thing. The same exactly. thing. Yeah. So we waited 64 yeah. years for them to deny, deny, deny. But Stephen Bassett, Undaunted, is launching... He's taking another kick at that can That's right. for, on We the People, mm-hmm. and he's launching a disclosure petition, too. That's right. So he's going to ratchet it up a little well, bit yeah, here. Th-
3: this, this time he's looking at the... Uh the, the Rockefeller Initiative, those series of letters written uh, between Lawrence S. Rockefeller and uh, Dr. Jack Gibbons, who at the time headed the Office of Science Technology Policy, and there was a, about 53 letters with their staffs involved, and uh, it did really kind of uh, specifically identify some major issues within the White House and in the OSTP uh, about UFOs and extraterrestrial intelligence, and Steve knows a lot about that, and myself personally over the last uh, month or so, I've been putting together a lot of information about the the Rockefeller Initiative, and it is a, a very big wedge into the White House that uh, that the White House will not admit. They have to admit that they've spoken about UFOs, and this is the this is the way to do it. I think Steve's going about it the right way.
2: All right, Stephen Bassett uh, will uh, join us at twelve thirty. Right now, however, uh, as I said, we're going to talk about um, uh, the media and its its treatment of the UFO ET issue, and whether or not the certain intelligence groups have helped to shape that message coming out of uh, Hollywood and, and, and uh, the television and film industry. And uh, we're joined on the line from England uh, by Robbie Graham, who is a doctoral candidate at the University of Bristol for a PhD examining Hollywood's historical representations of UFOs and potential extraterrestrial life. As a freelance writer and lecturer, his work emphasizes the industrial. A cultural and political processes by which Hollywood's UFO movie content is shaped, as well as the impact of these movies on popular perceptions of the UFO phenomenon. He holds a master's degree with distinction in cinema studies from the University of Bristol and a first-class honors degree in film, television, and radio studies from Staffordshire University. He's a graduate of the New York Film Academy in Manhattan. His articles have appeared in a variety of publications, including The Guardian, New Statesman, Film Facts, Fortean Times, Adbusters, and the peer-reviewed journal of North American Studies, Forty-Ninth Parallel. Robbie Graham, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
4: I'm fine, thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me on.
2: Let me uh, ask you, though, when, when you first... Um, uh, uh, let your uh, your professors know that this was going to be your 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 PhD uh, thesis. Were there any raised eyebrows? Um,
4: well, I, my eyebrows were raised when I was accepted for the for the PhD to begin with, based on the topic. Um, yes, it's uh, it's a tricky one uh, at an academic level, so you have to approach it in a certain way. I think in order to not ruffle too many feathers.
2: Now, g- g- given the time difference, I don't know if you were a- able to catch any of the Academy Awards, but uh, you know, uh, obviously some pretty heavy hitters in Hollywood, uh, the Lou Wassermans and the Steven Spielberg sitting right there in the uh, what was the Kodak theater. Uh, I mean are are, are are those the gatekeepers are we are we seeing on on television tonight the gatekeepers who are in part deciding uh, how the UFO message is being delivered to the public?
4: It's a (laughs) a good question, and it's a difficult one to answer. It's one that I'm striving to answer uh, and that I've been interested in for many years now. I think the short answer, and we can get into the the details of it as we go on, but I think the short answer would be um, yes and no. I think there would be some people present at the Oscars tonight and every year um, who have, shall we say, uh, healthy relationships, depending on what perspective you're looking at it from, healthy relationships with the US government and military Um, and to that extent they are gatekeepers um, whether or not their gatekeeping duties extend to the UFO issue uh, is is another issue Um, but uh, I think that well I think we can get into into the the names connected who who may be connected to the UFO issue as we go on Um, but of course Steven Spielberg is always on the tip of everybody's tongue when talking about UFOs in Hollywood and um, I think there is some truth to the rumors that Spielberg may know slightly more um, about the subject than than most people, and that some of that inf- some of that information may be um, shall we say inside information. but um, again, we can we can focus on that later on, but I, I think that people overplay the Spielberg um, rumor a little bit. I, I don't think it's as significant as people uh, would like to believe.
2: I I, I want to throw this question out, and and, uh, Victor, I know uh, this is a a topic that you uh, also have have lectured on uh, Mm -hmm. about uh, the intelligence, uh, various intelligence groups, infiltration of Hollywood, and how they've massaged the uh, the message uh, regarding UFOs. So I'll throw this out to both of you. Something that has always perplexed me about Hollywood depictions of aliens, alien interaction. We have a movie like E.T., uh where obviously the uh the character uh, ET is a um almost messianic mm-hmm. uh um certainly uh, to say the very least benign uh, and then from the same director 30 years later we have The War of the Worlds in which we have this apocalyptic uh, you know scenario we have uh, aliens which are absolutely you know uh, uh evil personified um if they are, in fact, trying to shape a message, I don't get it. I'm confused because we're getting both both sides thrown at us. Maybe that's the that's the plan, to confuse us.
3: You, you start off with that, Rob. You go ahead on that one. Yeah, go for it. Well, go you, to, okay, to. you want me to? Okay, that's fine.
4: Oh, uh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. No, to, I just sort of were
3: No, I'm throwing it to well, you. Go ahead. Yeah, you, Take, go, just,
4: you go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, um, yeah, I think it's, Again, this is something that people bring up all the time. If there is a message, it seems to be a very mixed one. Um, I agree. It's very hard to make sense of. um, uh, And I I think that there isn't necessarily one fixed message. Uh, I don't think there ever has been one fixed message. And also, if there is um, manipulation going on uh, at a covert level in Hollywood uh, with regards to UFOs, then... I think that manipulation might actually be uh, on the part of not one but several different interests, and, and that might explain some of the different messages that we're getting. Everyone assumes that there is this overarching unified conspiracy, and everyone's on the same page uh, behind the you know behind the scenes. But I don't think this is the case. The UFO issue has always been a divisive one, um, even in the corridors of power, and it may be that. Certain interests uh, in the military or in the intelligence community uh, or even in the executive branch have you know uh, different outlooks on this topic that they want different messages sent to the public they want to test certain waters at certain times over the decades and so you you get these different messages um, but really, I think in order to more effectively um, address this, I think you need to sort of go back to the roots of uh, intelligence involvement in Hollywood and to look at the, the nature of the relationship between the Department of Defense and Hollywood and CIA and Hollywood. Look at where this started and look at some of the facts. And let's, uh,
2: Robbie, let's, uh, let's do that, in fact. Uh, let's go back to the, uh, the beginning and uh, how various intelligence groups got involved in uh, shaping the message on aliens and, and uh, UFOs in Hollywood through film and television. When we come back, Robbie Graham, On the line from uh, England, Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network in studio. Your calls. Get in on the conversation. Do you believe Hollywood, uh, in concert with various intelligence groups, are shaping the message that we're getting about UFOs? Do they have an agenda, or are they just making good popcorn movies? 416-360-0740. And toll-free from out of town, 866, sorry, 1- 866-740-4740. 866-740-4740.
1: Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. The truth will set you free, but first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Curiosity? Or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Richard
2: Serrett, all one word, Serrett, spelled S-Y-R-E-T-T-S-Y-R-E-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T T T. That's a good Yorkshire name, Robbie Graham. I don't know if you, if you know any Sarats over in Yorkshire. Uh, now, <laughs> uh, I want I want before you get into your uh, discussion, Robbie, about sort of the roots of the intelligence uh, uh, agency's involvement in Hollywood regarding this issue. I want to get Victor in on on um, his take on my question, which is. What is the message, Uh, because it's as clear as mud to me?
3: Well, I guess you and a lot of other people are completely confused about how Hollywood and the, I guess the American government operate and with the many tentacles that are, that are operating together. You've got the Department of Defense, you've got the, the Army, you've got uh, the Pentagon going on, and the CIA and who knows what other alphabet soup organizations are, are hidden behind the scenes. Um, and I use that word uh, as sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek as a pun behind the scenes with, with regard to films. But th- the whole idea is that this thing called the UFO issue is so fanciful, it is so filled with ridicule in the public mind. Uh, And they've done a great job. The American government has done a great job in orchestrating this ridicule. So no matter how you approach the issue, you could throw anything onto the screen. You can ridicule it. You can build it up. It really doesn't matter what you do. The foundation of ridicule is so strong that no matter what information you put on the screen, how credible it is, even pictures of real UFOs. And that has actually been tried. Um, it will go down as just fluff and fanciful. So the the government has done a really great job at orchestrating a a backdrop of ridicule so that whenever they throw the the pasta at the wall, it sticks, and they can make people believe whatever they want.
2: Let me just uh, uh, interject here. Are you saying that there is in a Hollywood film They've actually used footages, footage of real UFOs, or they tried to. What what film was that?
3: They attempted to. Uh, I guess we can get into this later with Robbie, but I guess uh, with Bob uh, uh, Emenegger, who had uh, a part in making the film "UFOs: Past, Present, and Future," he was offered a segment of film of uh, of the Hollywood landing, pardon me, the Holloman Air Force Base landing of a, of a real UFO with with creatures getting out of it, and he was offered That's that. That's right. And so that's 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 the kind of thing that happens. They could have put that on the screen, and it could have been a real. Uh, it, it was, in fact, from my understanding, a real uh, film that was taken. But they could, in fact, put that on the on the screen and make it look like a bunch of garbage. So it it uh, it's the manipulation is so finely tuned, that um, that it becomes as clear as mud after a while. Richard, I guess that's what I'm saying. All right, Robbie. So when did this all begin?
2: When did the uh, the CIA or the FBI or naval intelligence? decide, we have to get into into the movie-making business and shape the message about UFOs?
4: Okay, well, today, there are a variety of state agencies um, who have liaison offices permanently in Hollywood. These include the FBI, NASA, the Secret Service, the Army, Navy, Air Force, you name it, they are now based in Hollywood. Which is to say they have offices in hollywood um these offices actually are based uh, on wilshire, wilshire uh, excuse me wilshire, wilshire Boulevard excuse me it's four o'clock in the morning here I'm still waking up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> uh Wilshire Boulevard and um they're in the Oppenheimer building on the twelfth floor and there you will find uh, all of these uh liaisons working hard uh networking with hollywood and so you've got all of these um, state agencies working in Hollywood, and what they do essentially, or, or the mod, the model, um, is is the Department of Defense's relationship with Hollywood, and this goes back to well, the DoD actually has been, um, excuse me, the, the the military, the US military has been involved in Hollywood since well, for, for about a hundred years now. Uh, they they actually helped out with the Birth of a Nation, the 1915. A um, uh, flag, uh, you know, extremely uh, racist uh, film by D.W. Griffith. Um, but the the relationship was sort of uh, formalised in in 1947 with the birth of the national security state, um, and it's really only gone from strength to strength since then. Um, and then in sort of the mid 1980s, you had this model um, created for what we know today um, as this watertight symbiotic relationship between DOD and Hollywood. Uh, and it started with the film Top Gun, which was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Um, and on that, you had the U.S. Navy uh, lend its full, uh, full assistance. They provided aircraft carriers, jets, uh, all sorts of uh, personnel on screen and military advice. And what they got in exchange was a supremely glossy piece of Hollywood uh, propaganda, really. It was a recruitment campaign for the U.S. Navy, which at the time was um, suffering from very poor recruitment numbers. However, when Top Gun was released in 1986, uh, what the U.S. Navy found was that, uh, based on the film, recruitment numbers went up 500% that year. So, you know, this was an extremely effective strategy, so much so, in fact, that the U.S. Navy actually set up rec- recruiting booths at the uh, cinemas where Top-, Top Gun was showing across America. So it was, it, was, uh, it was quite overtly propagandist, and no one seemed to have a problem with this. And this goes on today, so you've got films like the upcoming Battleship, which, again, is being supported by the U.S. Navy. Um, you've got Battle Los Angeles, which is supported by the Marines, Transformers, which is supported by the Air Force, and NASA. Um, so it, it, it's a very close relationship, and it is symbiotic in nature. And as I say, it's how it works: is the Department of Defence offers its support, it offers technical equipment, it offers technical advice, it offers bat- it offers you know battleships, it offers troops, it offers jets, etc. Uh, and what this does is it lowers the cost of production for the filmmakers, because otherwise they have to go to the trouble of creating these things in a computer, hiring designers. Spending money on technology to develop this stuff from scratch. Um, but if they use the real stuff, then it, it kind of lends to the authenticity and the ver- uh, verisimilitude uh, of the piece. So they do prefer to, to do it, to, to actually use the military equipment. But what the military gets in exchange for this uh, equipment and advice is the right to edit scripts. It actually gets involved with the filmmaking process right from the get-go, from the earliest stages of script development, and it has a very strong say in how that story is shaped, how it's developed, how it goes onto the page, and how it's actually translated onto the screen. So, you know, the military is free to really manipulate popular perceptions of, uh, of the national security state, of, uh, national, uh, of, of foreign policy. Uh, you know, it, it can project a very powerful image of, of America and of the armed forces. And the primary purpose of this, as officially stated by the Department of Defence, is to boost recruitment numbers and, and retain personnel. Um, as I say, however, in reality, it really allows for, for the manipulation of, of public perception on a wide variety of issues, because if you've got staffers, you've got Pentagon staffers actually writing dialogue, shaping content to script, at you know, a very early stage, um, then what, what are we getting here? Who, who is this benefiting? Is it just Innocent Popcorn fun. Well, not really. And and what's worrying about it is that uh, most people are completely unaware that this relationship exists. This is not a covert relationship, I should stress. This is an open, legal relationship, and it's been going, as I say, since about 1947 in this this way. Um, But the only way you would know about this relationship, really, is if you were to stay to the end credits of the film, to the very end, and you'll see a small credit saying, with thanks to the you know, to the Department of Defense who lent their support, and you'll get maybe two or three names mentioned from the DOD liaison office. But unless you stay, you're not going to see that. And even if you do see it, you're not really going to understand the full significance of it. So there is this relationship. It is quite a propagandist relationship. Um, now, that's the model for, for all of the agencies' uh, involvement in Hollywood. So the FBI offers technical advice, NASA offers technical advice. In return, they get a nice... Uh, glossy presentation of themselves on screen now the CIA uh, is an interesting one because the CIA involvement in Hollywood um, actually goes back to about 1953 slightly before but the CIA claims that it wields far less influence in Hollywood than the Department of Defense because it has less in the way of you know fancy hardware to offer filmmakers the CIA can't offer filmmakers tanks or jets or aircraft carriers um, it can really only offer um, uh, on-set advice and access to its uh, headquarters in Langley. Um, and again, that's again to to increase the, the accuracy of the movie, or so they say. Um, but this position is, is quite deceptive, really, because the CIA is, is um, referring here only to its public activities in Hollywood. And if you think that everything the CIA, you know, a covert agency, does in Hollywood is public, then frankly, you're nuts. In reality, the CIA's involvement in Hollywood is geared not so much towards uh, recruitment and, you know, burnishing its own image as it is to uh, subtly manipulating public perception of um, uh, hot-button national security issues and uh, projecting a very specific image of America and of uh, America's enemies, um, and, and that's, what, you know, that's really what the CIA is doing in Hollywood, and that's what it's always done, and as I say, this goes back to about 1953. Um, but the agency's public liaison office is only the tip of a very large iceberg. It's, it's nothing more than a public front for a much deeper program of entertainment uh, media manipulation. And now, by way of comparison um, with, with the entertainment office, the CIA. You can actually just look at the CIA's, <coughs> excuse me, extensive infiltration of the American mainstream news media. Now, this began uh, again, not, uh, not, uh, not surprisingly, in, in the early nineteen fifties, and it actually began specifically in nineteen fifty three on the orders of uh, Alan Dulles.
2: Is that Operation Mongoose? Uh,
4: no. Um, well, but. This, this, also, I should clarify here as well, let just remind me, you, you mentioned Mongoose, but a lot of people talk about propaganda, CIA propaganda, in the context of this thing called Operation Mockingbird. Mockingbird, I'm sorry.
2: Uh, yes, Mockingbird.
4: Yeah, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. It's, uh, I've done a lot of research on on CIA um, uh, sort of involvement in Hollywood and manipulation of media, and the, the Mockingbird thing is uh, a bit of a red herring because it's, uh, the term Mockingbird has been banded around for, for many years by various... Uh, researchers but no one has really been able to pinpoint uh, where if Mockingbird existed for a start uh, and if it did when it was created and how far-reaching it was. Um, People use it as an umbrella term for what is perceived to be a a large-scale overarching CIA program that manipulates all strands of media. Um, But I don't know that it was ever that organized to be honest. Um, I think is what you had because because there is no there is no reference to Mockingbird in official documentation uh, that I can find. Um, it, it's something that was used informally. The term was used informally, and, and a number of people um, have been using it since the 1970s, associated with the CIA. But there's not really any hard proof that Mockingbird ever existed in a, in an organised uh, way. Uh, what you've got, I think, is uh, different uh, different Attempts over different decades to manipulate different aspects of the media.
2: Okay, let uh, me jump in here. We, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a, t- a time out when we come back. I'll turn it over to uh, Victor Vigiani who has uh, questions as well. Robbie Graham is uh, with us and uh, we're talking about uh, intelligence agencies, infiltration of Hollywood and uh, their hand in shaping the, the UFO alien message uh, that comes to Consumers of uh, Hollywood uh, pictures. You can follow his uh, blog at Silverscreen Saucers. Blogspot.com. Robbie Graham on the line from England and Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network in studio here on The Conspiracy Show, AM 740. Stay with us.
1: Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416 360 0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1 866 740 4740. Welcome back. Robbie Graham is with us,
2: doctoral candidate at the University of Bristol for a PhD get this, examining Hollywood's historical representations of UFOs and potential extraterrestrial life. And uh, in studio, Victor Vigiani from Zealand News uh, Network.
3: Uh, over to you, Victor. Actually, I, I don't want to date myself, Robbie, but uh, I guess I will when I start uh, when I ask you this question. I remember as a kid um, watching the war movies uh, you know, with people like John Wayne and, mm-hmm. and Guy Madison and Robert Mitchum and Audie Murphy and mm-hmm. and, and the tremendous amount of work that I guess, I guess the Department of Defense at the time, I'm not sure exactly who it might have been, they really perfected how they portrayed the American war machine just after mm-hmm. the war. Here's all the great mm-hmm. things that we did to save the world. And... Uh, in, in, in that sense, in the, in the way they perfected the persona and the, the overall image of the uh, American war machine uh, back in the 50s and the early 60s, it is, is that did that give them sort of an, a leg up on the UFO issue in terms of how um, ideologically uh, significant the UFO issue was at the time? And they said, well, listen, we've been doing this for so long with the war theme. Let's get at the UFO issue in the same way. And we've almost perfected a way to present this to the public. So is there a relationship as to how they they portrayed the war stuff and the war machine back in the fifties to how they got really really good at uh, defining the UFO issue for the American public.
4: Absolutely, there's there's, there's no disconnect there really. Um, it, 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 the you know the, the the apparatus that has been established um, to project propaganda and to manipulate public perception through media channels uh, that can be used equally effect, equally effectively for you know uh representations of war and and foreign and domestic policy as it can for uh for representation of uFOs and controlling what people believe about the ufo phenomenon and and uh, potential extraterrestrial life absolutely um there's as i said there's no disconnect there um but I, what i'll do is i think in order to to really bring this home i think that it is worth just going back to this relationship because it all it all goes back to um the model for the for the uh, manipulation of hollywood actually um goes back to the cia's manipulation of the news media in america i won't go into too much detail here because this is this has already been documented by terry hansen in his excellent book um about about this subject
2: and carl bernstein um,
5: excuse me and carl, yeah, carl
4: bernstein, bernstein. I'm talking about, yeah, Carl Bernstein here, but, but Terry Hansen actually wrote about the yeah. news media representation of UFOs in his book. But yes, Carl Bernstein um, uh, documented uh, uh, the CIA's involvement in the news media back in the 1970s. And now, you know, it's a matter of public record today that the CIA actually did manage to successfully infiltrate and, and control the U.S. media, um, and that this infiltration was, was pretty much complete as early as the uh, mid-1970s. And uh, back in the 1950s, and this was, as I say, this was documented by Carl Bernstein. The agency actually ran, believe it or not, a formal training program that was designed to teach its agents to be journalists, so that they could actually uh, more effectively infiltrate the industry. And uh, sure enough, many of them actually went on to be placed in. Uh, major major news organizations, um, all, you know, admittedly this was with the help of um, existing CIA assets within the news media. But, you know, consider this between the early 1950s and the mid-1970s, there were over 400 American journalists um, who, who had carried out assignments for the CIA. Well, you know, that's what I call a successful infiltration. Some, mm-hmm. of them were, some of them were paid to do this by the CIA. Some of them did it free, had a sense of patriotism and for career favors. But, so as I said, you know, this news media infiltration began in 1953, um, and uh, it was also in 1953 that the CIA began covertly tampering with Hollywood scripts and movie financing. Uh, at the time, uh, the head of censorship at Paramount Studios uh, was a guy called Luigi Larashi, and um, it was later learned, is many decades later, that whilst he was working for Paramount, at the same time he was also working for the CIA's. Psychological Strategy Board, and he was carrying out CIA orders in Hollywood, censoring censoring scripts and uh, otherwise altering content. Uh, you know, films that were tampered with, you know, during this time frame from 1953 onwards include like The Caddy, Sangaree, Arrowhead, Animal Farm, 1984, The Quiet American, you know, the list goes on. Um, and again, this goes back to 1953. Well, as it happens, that's the same year that the CIA Robertson panel recommended that uh, you know the national security apparatus begin this debunking and demystifying campaign uh, for UFOs through mass media, including um, and, and I quote, you know, motion pictures and television. So make no mistake, right from the get-go, the CIA recognised with uh, equal importance, really, the uh, the role of, of news media and entertainment media in shaping public opinion. And it's my contention that the CIA also infiltrated Hollywood, just as it did news media so effectively. Um, and as was the case in the 1950s, the, the agency today still has assets scattered throughout the industry. Uh, I believe at every level of the industry from the guys that vet the scripts, for studios, to script doctors, script writers, producers, directors, actors, studio heads, and even the heads of the parent companies themselves. Um, you know, There's a guy uh, uh, called Paul Barry, who was one of the uh, uh, heads of the CIA's public liaison office uh, not too long ago, just a few years ago And uh, he has a great quote, which is very illustrative of the points we're making here He says, this is from the CIA guy himself He says, you cannot underestimate Hollywood's influence Most Americans are content to accept Hollywood's message Very few ever conduct any research to determine the truth uh, So the CIA recognizes very well the tremendous power that Hollywood wields and it has sought to uh, to uh uh to manipulate this power over the decades and uh you know there's a there's another thing that's worth keeping in mind people should be uh, i'm sure some people are already aware of this fact but um in 1991 again this is in relation to the news media the CIA uh, publicly admitted in a document which was classified but which has now been declassified uh, they admitted that uh and I quote the Public Affairs Office of the CIA now has relationships with reporters from every major wire service, newspaper, newsweekly and television network in the nation. They say that this has helped us turn some intelligence failure stories into intelligence success stories and it has contributed to the accuracy of countless others. In many instances, the CIA say, we have persuaded reporters to postpone, change, hold, or even scrap stories that could have adversely affected national security or jeopardized sources and methods. So this is what they've done with the news media, and they've been doing it for decades. Uh, as they say, this infiltration of the news media was complete by the mid-1970s. Um, I, I, I suggest that exactly the same thing has happened with Hollywood uh, during the, over the same time frame. It's just that it's been much more... Um, Uh, it's been more effectively uh, concealed. Uh, And I think that part of that is simply due to the fact that most people don't scrutinize entertainment media to the extent that they scrutinize news media because people view Hollywood, I think, as a little bit more innocent. Uh, They don't view it as a political institution. Although I think it was Marshall
2: Marshall McLuhan who said, uh, we lie to ourselves through television and we tell ourselves the truth through film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Now, I, 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 I... I want some specific examples. Uh, if, if Victor, you have some, or or Robbie, uh, give us a, an example of a a, um, a Hollywood depiction of either aliens or the UFO phenomena that you you know has been influenced by intelligence groups.
4: Okay, <clears throat> well, we can go. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, uh, Victor mentioned um, the Ammanega film. Uh, UFOs: Past, Present, and Future, from uh, about 1974. A documentary actually went into production about 1971. This is a so this is a factual piece; it's not a fiction piece. Uh, that was heavily influenced. In fact, it was conceived by the Department of Defense. Uh, Amadeo was approached through the Air Force um, and through the CIA uh, for this production, and it was uh, it was it was vetted by the Department of Defense. And uh, they were granted extraordinary access to Holloman Air Force Base, the Norton Air Force Base, and to other facilities. And uh, the idea was that a documentary would, would be produced that portrayed UFOs in a serious way, and seriously considered the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Um, Emanegar himself was quite sceptical of UFOs and aliens, um, but he was offered by the Air Force what he claimed, what what they claimed was, was real uh, footage of, of a, a genuine extraterrestrial landing at Holloman Air Force Base some years prior. Um, he never got to see the footage himself, but it was continually dangled in front of him, um, so to speak, like a carrot on a stick. Um, he never got to see it, though. However, people he knew and spoke to um, did see it or claimed to have seen it, and they said that it was the real article. Um, Victor, you said that... that The footage was never shown, and and of course the landing footage was never uh, never shown, but um, not many people realize that actually there is UFO footage, real UFO footage, in the finished film um, that was provided to Aminaga by by the Air Force. At one point in the film, when they're doing a reconstruction of the landing, uh, there is a little bit of footage, about three or four seconds of genuine footage slipped in there and uh it's uh, you can see this ball of light coming down over the mountains surrounding Holloman Air Force Base, and Emengger uh, said that that came from the real footage and the air Force okayed that footage for the film um but yeah so Emmengger admits that um but this is a very strange film it it is uh, as i say it's uh overwhelmingly supportive of supportive of the extraterrestrial hypothesis or at least it's very open to the idea. Um, it promotes UFO reality. It has sit-down interviews with all of the former heads of Project Blue Book, uh, with colonels, uh, and it, it's a very, a very interesting documentary. It was actually nominated for a Golden Globe uh, when it was released, um, but as I say, it never really did feature this, this explosive. Earth- why would the U.S.
2: Air Force be? Why would the U.S. Air Force be behind something like this? So, I mean, are we witnessing here? sort of this this schism that exists between various groups the US Air Force is pro disclosure maybe the the office of naval intelligence is 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 trying to obfuscate is that how it works
4: it, it, again it, it's, it's frankly a, a mystery i've asked i asked Eminegger this and i was trying to get to the bottom of the motivation behind this film who was behind it what we do know according to emenegger is that the film was actually signed off on um, it was actually essentially ordered by the Secretary of the Air Force at the time, which was a guy called Robert Siemens who also was formerly um, one of the heads of NASA so this is a guy who probably had quite a lot of inside information on UFOs anyway uh, Robert Siemens and uh, he was the guy according to Emanegar who signed off on a documentary and the implication was as well that this documentary went all the way up to Nixon Uh so uh, it's an interesting one Emanegar had said, because he had asked Uh, uh, Colonel uh, William Coleman, who was uh, the Pentagon spokesman um, and associated with Blue Book at the time, he asked Coleman what was going on with this documentary, why why was it being ordered, why was it being supported by the military, and Coleman simply said um, the Air Force feels it's time to start becoming more open about the subject and that they want to show to the public that there is no cover-up and that they are not orchestrating a cover-up, and that they want to be more open about the subject. And he said that Eminegger was the first filmmaker, and his associates were the first filmmakers, to meet the Air Force's criteria. Um, and that's a quote, because right. I asked Emanegar to ask Coleman for me, and Coleman actually replied through Eminegger to me. Um, I asked a bunch of questions, and I also said, well, I said, was it was the footage real? And Coleman said, yes, it was. And I said, "Well, who who were these beings? Who were these alleged visitors?" And he said, uh, "He he didn't say." I said, "Were they?" I said, "Were they aliens?" And he didn't answer that directly. He said, he simply said very, very obliquely. We did not have diplomatic relations with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: and, and um, in two thousand and eight, yep. in two thousand and eight, uh, Rob, I spent some time in Washington D.C. at the X conference, and uh, Bob uh, spoke at the at that conference, and I spent some time with him. And he actually explained to me that um, th- first of all the, the footage was in fact real that that that, uh, that was offered to him, and then he got into the actual description of how the craft came down it sort of wobbled down they, they mm-hmm. used the word "wobble down and landed and uh, beings got two or three beings got out of the the actual craft and uh, he, he also launched into a very uh, very descriptive uh, uh, I guess characterization of what these beings looked like they they had That's to, right. rope That's around right, their he head describes. and, and he, he, very yeah, specific very very specific
4: yeah yeah, he does this recreation in the actual documentary mm-hmm. um and he said he was he was very annoyed he, said he, was, he he said he was um very disappointed at the fact that eventually at the last minute they pulled the footage um they didn't allow the use of it because they said that the Watergate scandal made it politically uh inappropriate to show this footage because there was already too much. Chaos in America at the yeah. time, and they thought that by showing us footage, it would just be too much for the American public. So they didn't give them the footage. At least those, those were the reasons that the Air Force gave. And Bob was very disappointed by this. So as a result, he was forced to do this dramatic reconstruction of these alleged events. And he was given artwork um, based right. on based on the descriptions of the Air Force of these beings. So <clears throat> very very interesting. That's one. That's one example. There are other examples. Um, uh, which aren't so concrete um the munneger one is, is 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 the most thoroughly documented um uh, example of, of media manipulation with regard to ufos i think what Not was the record.
3: yeah what was the one about um on it was on, i believe it was on cbs where there was a very um, specific script all ready to go and the, the the television show was was in was in flight actually on air, and one of the was a Kehoe who was um, did he did he vary from the script and they cut off his microphone? Um, what what uh, right, was that yeah. one all about? That was a very intriguing situation.
4: Yeah, that was um, that was uh, Kehoe and it was CBS and uh, Kehoe was um, yeah he was he was due to speak uh, live. Uh, on television and he he was in fact speaking live on television, he was in a in a debate uh, about UFOs and uh, he had been given a pre-approved script to read from as had everyone else on the show uh, and the Air Force were present uh, uh, as interviewees and uh, the Air Force was putting their opinion across about UFOs and Kehoe was set to put his opinion across about UFOs in this sort of live debate and uh, Kehoe did stick to the script um eventually um but uh because it, it, it initially appeared that he wasn't going to stick to it at all because he was outraged that they had provided him with the script at all, but for the first part, he did stick to the script and then eventually he got so frustrated that he actually veered from the script and stated and now I'm going to announce to the nation something that's never been you know released before uh, it is known that UFOs are you know, intelligently. Well, he was—he was about to say that, and he got to the point of, "I'm now going to make this announcement," and then he was cut off. Um, his microphone was cut, and uh, it was. And then the viewers were so interested that CBS got floods of letters uh following this uh this incident requesting to know what Kehoe had said because people were complaining that it was very obvious that he'd been censored and what what had he said anyway it, was, it later emerged that Kehoe had actually said you know that that uh, the, the air force knows that these are uh structured machines under intelligent control uh you know it would have, it would have been quite an explosive statement however he didn't get the chance to say it because the uh the air force was was basically running the show that night um, and that's that's not not surprising. CBS has, has always been closely associated with CIA as well. Um, that, that's that's news that sort of news media reporting. But again, it's very it's, it, there's no there's no real distinction I, I think to be made. Um, there are other, other examples of media manipulation um, from the 1950s. One, of course, is the famous Ward Kimball case of the mid 1950s, where the Oscar-winning Disney animator claimed that. Um, uh, During the mid-1950s, the Air Force had approached Walt Disney himself for his cooperation on a uh, UFO-themed educational documentary that would help acclimatize the public to the reality of extraterrestrials. And this is what the Air Force had told Kimball, told Disney. Um, uh, Disney had already had this very successful working relationship with the Department of Defense during the war because Disney produced about 80 propaganda shorts. For the military during the Second World War, And so it was only natural that Disney would have, uh, you know, felt inclined to to accept the Air Force's offer and and to help help out where necessary. Um, so Disney actually started to go along with the deal, and he had his animators start to produce designs for what aliens and flying saucers look like. These sort of cartoonish designs, uh, and presumably several months went by, and the Air Force continued to dangle this real footage. They said that if you cooperate, we will give you real. UFO footage for use in your film. And uh, anyway, the months went by, and as with Eminaga, the footage eventually was pulled. The Air Force said you can't have the footage, I'm afraid. And that was that. Uh, the documentary sort of uh, was mothballed and it never surfaced and it was forgotten really by, I think, pretty much most, uh, pretty much everyone apart from the few people who had worked on it. And Kimball revealed this story in uh, in the late 1970s whilst at a MUFON convention.
2: All right, let's uh, take a quick time out. We'll come back. Robbie Graham, Victor Vigiani discussing intelligence groups, UFOs and Hollywood. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show on AM 740. Don't go away.
1: Question: Everything. This is the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Is Hollywood
2: trying to tell us the truth about UFOs? Are they trying to obfuscate? Is it is it somewhere in between? Are they doing both at the same time? We're uh, discussing this with Robbie Graham live on the line from uh, England, and in studio, Victor Vigiani from Zealand. Uh, news service and uh, let's grab a quick call here and say hello to Jerry in Toronto. Jerry, go ahead.
0: Yes, gentlemen. Good evening. It's uh, very enlightening some of the facts that I've heard you uh,
5: speaking about.
2: Thank you. Go ahead. Your question.
5: All right. Uh, The question I have is if um, I go very simply, do uh, you have any evidence or uh, information as to who they are and why they're here?
0: Uh for instance, uh I've heard of the Greys, the Nordiques, there's other different kinds. I've heard of Alpha Centauri and other star systems, but uh it's conjecture.
5: Um I'd just like to see if there's anything further you could uh give me in
2: that
0: regard. All
2: right, Great thank continue, you, Jerry. On. I mean, have you arrived? I mean, is that within the purview of your of, of your thesis? Uh, you know, what what is it that they're what what is the information they're trying to disseminate or obfuscate or what have you?
4: What what message the U.S. government and military are trying to put out yes. about our potential visitors? Um, <clears throat> That is something that actually I'm going to be um, looking at, yes. Uh, that's something I tend to leave more for my journalistic and freelance work rather than for my academic work, because naturally that kind of stuff is very difficult to broach uh, in an academic way because it's, it just gets pulled apart, to be honest, um, within the context that I'm writing it about, um, which, is, which is through media. So I, if, I, if I digress too much uh, beyond, uh, beyond the media itself, And start looking at the the existence of the beings, then it it becomes very difficult to maintain.
2: But if if you've concluded, but Robbie, if you've concluded that uh, intelligence groups or the U.S. government, by extension, is trying to manage the information coming out of Hollywood, does that lead you necessarily to the conclusion that if they're trying to manage the the message, then that means that the the UFO that UFOs are real, that aliens are real?
4: Necessi- i mean playing devil's advocate it doesn't necessarily mean that it just means that they much mean that they want us to believe that um but but speaking plainly no i, I do think that's the case i do think that uh that, you know that, that this is real i do think that that some ufo's um true ufo's um not all true ufo's but i think that some ufo's uh have an ex- extraterrestrial explanation uh i do think we're being visited and uh I think that obviously elements within the uh, private industry and within the U.S. government and military um, have, and I stress certain elements, have have information on this. But I do think that uh, people vastly overestimate officialdom's understanding of of this phenomenon. I think we like to think that there is this um, uh, uh, general understanding that there is this um, this knowledge base somewhere within within the corridors of power, this vault that contains all the secrets, uh, that they know exactly what's going on, and uh, you know, it's kind of comforting in a way to think that there is this grand conspiracy. But actually, I don't think there is. I just want to say that there isn't a conspiracy. There is. I mean, there is. There is, as Steve Bassett says, there is there's a, there's a truth embargo, a cover up uh, of sorts. Um, the information is compartmentalised heavily, um, but I think that. The phenomenon is, is so complex. Uh- I, I think it's impossible for any one person in, in government or in or in private industry, or anywhere in power, to have the full picture. I don't think they have the full picture at all. I, I
3: think, I think that, maybe they
4: want us to believe that they have the full yeah. picture, but
3: they're going. Yeah, I think the, the, the point that you're making is, is a good one as to whether or not the... It's, it's the, the nature of the conspiracy. It's not whether there is or not. It's it's the, the fabric of it and how it's put together and, and the, the sort of the, the tendrils and the threads as to how this thing has is, is become a, a real fabric of, of of, um, I guess, American history and the the, uh, the UFO reality. But I think the the other point about um, what what we're saying here is, and in answer to Jerry's question, the United States government, and I say that as sort of an all-encompassing term, uh, that kind of terminology, I don't really mean the government, but the people that that are really kind of in the know with respect to this information, um, they, they go to extraordinary lengths. And I think that 's the key the amount of of time and effort and money uh, and, and psychological warfare that they 've used in order to manage this issue. if this was just and I think you make this point in in the first page of your essay um, uh, robbie that the the amount of effort they go to to um, to, to to manage such a fanciful issue. Uh, they, they wouldn 't do this if it was something different if you know uh if there was some right. other issue at stake you know there there yeah. there is there is a, an easter bunny you know uh, if you if you go at it from that point of view, why would right. they go so heavily into right. this m- and manage it that way if there wasn 't some factual nature behind it
4: exactly no exactly there's no there's no question that that you're factual and there 's no question at all just based on the government's own documentation that the government and military have treated the subject uh very seriously. For, for many decades um, uh, this doesn't reveal the true nature of the phenomenon um, I mean there, it heavily hints at it I would say but it doesn't it doesn't um, reveal it completely but uh, as you as you rightly point out the, the, the very fact that uh, there has, uh, have been such concerted efforts over the decades to manipulate popular perceptions of this phenomenon through media channels both news media and, and entertainment media that does suggest uh, strongly that uh, the subject is taken very seriously.
3: Could Could we go back just a bit and and um, just take a few minutes to outline? For us, how uh, Walt Disney the Disney Corporation got involved in, in this whole thing because I think some of us uh, most of us have this impression of Walt Disney as, as being something really night and bright nice and bright and shiny and you know a really great organization uh, I, I watched uh, Cars One and Two with my grandson on, on the on the DVD this afternoon and, and yesterday night and looking at the movie cars Cars Two talking about fossil fuels and alternative energies on a kids' program and how that manipulation worked out within that particular movie. Go back and just sort of outline what Walt Disney meant to this issue.
4: Well, as I said, Disney was heavily involved with the U.S. military during the war, throughout the Second World War. They were um, uh, very supportive of the U.S. government's propaganda effort, and they made propaganda shorts, uh, short, prop- short propaganda films for the U.S. military. Uh, Disney was uh, an extreme conservative, shall we say. Uh, he was quite a right-wing guy. Um, and he had very traditional values, um, which were very much in line with the values of the establishment. And so he was always seen as a friendly figure to the establishment. And, uh, so you had this working relationship going back to the 1940s, going back to the 1930s, excuse me, uh, with Disney. And so when the UFO issue came, started to become uh, a real problem, uh, for, for the US national security state, Disney was the go-to guy, I think for this, um, Hence the Wood Kimball story, um, and there are many others uh, over the decades. Many other examples of Disney being um, associated with with the U.S. government uh, with regard to the UFO issue. Um, one of these was the uh, 19. Let me think now. We'll go for the 1995 uh, documentary, um, uh, which was called Alien Encounters from New Tomorrowland. This is a documentary which has been the subject of speculation in the UFO research community for, well, ever since it was broadcast. And this was broadcast in 1995. It was a uh, a one-hour special, uh, and it was uh, broadcast on a, a handful, literally just a handful, of American TV uh, stations over several nights um, in 1995 without any, um, uh, without any announcement, without any uh, pre-scheduling. So it was kind of like if you caught it on TV, then you were lucky, um, you didn't know you were going to catch it, it just showed up on TV. And if you saw it, what you saw was this very strange documentary presented as factual, where you had Robert Urich um, presenting uh, all these so-called facts about UFOs and extraterrestrials saying without doubt that, and I quote from the doc- documentary here, for nearly 50 years, officials have been documenting routine alien encounters here on Earth, said that more, more than uh, one alien craft crashed and was recovered uh, in Roswell. You've got indications that the government military uh, will soon be releasing this information to the public. And the documentary started presenting all of this information as if there was no question at all that we are routinely being visited, Um And it was strange because this was a a Disney documentary, and it was supposedly promoting a new ride at Disneyland, at Disney World, excuse me, um, in Florida, called the Alien Encounter Ride uh, for 1995. But what was strange about the documentary is it didn't seem to be much of a promotion at all because it it wasn't concerned Mm -hmm. with the ride itself. It was only the last few minutes of the documentary that really uh, looked at the ride. It's almost as if they were
2: trying to test market this idea by selecting key markets... Almost like focus groups,
4: right? Um, it, it, it was the same idea. It was the well speculation among I mean, UFO researchers was that this documentary was testing the waters. They were seeing what the public reaction would be to an official announcement. You know, if you've got a Disney documentary and it's presented very factually, very dramatically, that this is that this is all real. Uh, there's no question at all, there were no sceptics in the documentary, it was all, you had interviews with abductees, you had you know, lots of UFO footage, documentation, and uh, what was also discussed in the documentary was this idea of life on Mars, um, of microbial life being discovered in the in the meteorite um, that caused all of the uproar in, in about 1996. And uh, in the documentary, actually, Robert Urich makes this statement that uh, uh, that this, that this meteor had been discovered in uh, uh, Antarctica and it, that uh, scientists had studied it and reached the conclusion that it contained microbial life um, now what was unusual about this was that this documentary um, was produced and uh, broadcast before NASA had made its official announcement about this meteorite, before the public really knew much about the meteorite at all so it seemed like they had inside information and uh well, I find this documentary fascinating. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch the documentary you just Google, or you know, Google um, alien encounters uh, from New Tomorrowland or alien encounters Disney. You'll find the documentary, and it is fascinating. Um, so what I did was I contacted the writer and director of the documentary, a guy called Andrew Thomas, uh, last year, and I interviewed him, and uh, he he told me you know, his side of the story. He said that. Uh, you know there was no conspiracy there was no inside information that he had absolutely no assistance or advice from us government at all and that he got most of his information from the internet and um, he just read the books and the articles that everyone else reads uh, and he decided from an artistic perspective that it would be cool to present all of this as real um uh, whether you choose to believe him or not is up to you he for, for what it's worth i felt that he was being quite open and honest with me. Um, What was interesting about his testimony, though, was the fact that he did admit that, and what he found strange was that the documentary itself, the content, had to be signed off on by Michael Eisner himself. Michael Eisner was the CEO of Disney, the head honcho. And that's very unusual, very unusual, that a guy of of his uh, position, uh, Michael Eisner's position, would actually take the time out to vet, to watch and vet, a very small promotional, you know, documentary. Um, it just it doesn't normally happen. But Andrew Thomas was very surprised to learn that the, the, the Eisner himself wanted to bet the content of the documentary. Also, Eisner was very worried about the documentary in terms of uh, what it was saying about potential life on Mars. They were, they were quite concerned about that. But.
3: That- um, then, I did, yeah, go ahead. if I could just interrupt you here, um, you're talking to people here now of a generation, people born in the late '40s and early '50s. They they, they grew up on Walt Disney. It was their bread and butter. They, every Sunday evening, you got to see the Walt Disney, you know, Disneyland special. Be it Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Annette Funicello. It didn't really matter. Walt Disney and the whole corporation fed an entire generation uh, a, a bill of goods for, for over forty to fifty years, and the kind Kinds of, uh, of things they did with that generation psychologically manipulating people to believe certain things. Um, w- when you when you bring a generation up like that, built on the onslaught of of, new, of this new you know, technology called television, people were glued to their set. They began to believe just about anything that came from that screen. And Walt Disney Corporation had the attention of an entire generation. And psychologically, Walt Disney could come out and say just about anything. And he could get any CEO to sign off on anything that will manipulate. So, I mean, it's not really surprising that they would do this kind of thing at all.
4: No, it's not. And in fact, you know, it's a matter of public record that Disney was... Specifically highlighted by the CIA Robertson Panel for potential manipulation uh, on the UFO issue in the Robertson Panel uh, uh, in the uh, in the report, the Durant report, um, Disney is specifically highlighted as a potential conduit for UFO-related propaganda. That was in 1953. So the question is, you know. To what extent were the, were the Robertson panel's recommendations carried out and how successfully? Well, there are a couple of examples that you can point to where clearly the, those, those recommendations were, were carried out.
2: Robbie, can I um, get, get you to comment on some other movies? Uh, let me just uh, throw some titles out and get your, your take. Uh, I mean, one of the movies that I think just gets better and better uh, is Close Encounters. And, and, and I know a lot of people in the UFO research community look to that movie and say, that's the, that's the closest to the truth. What, what can you tell us about in, in, intelligence, uh, naval intelligence or otherwise other groups' uh, involvement in the making of that of, of that uh, Spielberg movie?
4: Well, well, from a personal perspective, Close Encounters, I absolutely love. It's my favorite film of, of any genre, um, uh, not just because it's about UFOs. It's, uh, it's a great film, um, just from a filmmaking perspective. Fantastic movie, and I agree it gets better. Um, as for Close Encounters, in terms of invo- uh, official involvement, the Air Force um actually denied Spielberg cooperation on the film. Spielberg had requested cooperation from the Air Force uh and NASA on that film and uh, both had turned him down. Uh the Air Force sent him a uh, a letter which I actually have here and I can it's a very short one, I can actually read you, uh, their their disapproval uh of his um of his uh film and they said bear with me here The Air Force uh, wrote to Steven Spielberg's production uh, team in 1976, and this was a letter from a guy called Major Sidney Shaw from the National Guard Bureau. He was writing um, from the National Guard, but it it was on behalf of the Air Force. He said, quote, We have reviewed the script and believe it would be inappropriate for the Air Force or the National Guard Bureau to support the production. They say that in 1969, the Air Force completed a study which concluded there is no evidence concerning the existence of UFOs, so this is the Blue Book Project, uh, sorry, this is the um, conlon uh, report. Uh, we have uh, not been involved in UFOs since that study, other than answering queries about that study. Uh, the proposed film leaves the distinct impression that UFOs, in fact, do exist. It also involves the government and military in a big cover-up of the existence of UFOs, and these two points are counter to Air Force and Department of Defense policy mm-hmm. and make support to the production inappropriate. So Spielberg was denied uh, cooperation uh, on that film from the Air Force. And according to Spielberg, he also applied to NASA for support. And NASA took the time uh, to send him, and this is in Spielberg's own words, a 20-page letter attempting to convince him not to make the film at all they uh they sent him this letter and and they according to spielberg got quite angry in this letter spielberg said and again this is a quote he said if nasa took the time to write me a 20-page letter then i knew there must be something happening he said when they read the script they got very angry and felt it was a film that would be dangerous i felt they mainly wrote the letter because jaws convinced so many people around the world that there were sharks and toilets uh sharks in, in toilets and bathtubs not just in the oceans and rivers they were afraid the same kind of epidemic would happen with UFOs. So according to Spielberg, the film uh, and the realistic nature of it, I suppose, the fact that it was based on a lot of documented uh, UFO cases and the fact that J.L. and Hynek was the technical consultant on the film did start to uh, get people a little bit hot under the collar in the corridors of power. Um, so, these, uh, so these facts would tend to uh, discount the idea that Close Encounters was a government project, but not entirely, because this goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of our conversation, where I think there are different and competing agendas here. Um, Just because the military and NASA deny cooperation to Spielberg over this film does not mean that the CIA are not influencing the film covertly, um, or, or indeed other agencies are influencing the the production covertly. I think it's entirely possible that that happens. Um, The Air Force and CIA don't always see eye to eye, um, famously, in fact. And uh, there was actually talk uh, during the production of Close Encounters, and this was campfire talk, literally campfire talk, um, on the part of the cast and crew uh, while the film was being produced in 1976, Bob Balaban, who was, uh, who was one of the stars of the movie, he wrote a diary about the production of the film um, called, um, uh, called Close Encountered Diary. And uh, in this, he, say, he recounts this incident where they were talking around a campfire during the production and people were throwing around all of these ideas and people were speculating and talking about what he called rumours that the uh, film was a test of public reaction to, to UFO reality. So even during the production of the film, the cast and crew had been hearing rumours uh, that this film was, was, uh, was some sort of uh, an official uh, uh, test. So, again, those are just rumours. There's nothing to support that. Uh, I don't know, to be honest, with Close Encounters, uh, it, 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 whether or not there was uh, official involvement uh, its effect on, on public perceptions is the same. You know, I think that film helped raise awareness of, of the UFO phenomenon. Well, I, th-
3: um, I, th- I think, too, Robbie, what, what has to be said about that is that just the fact that they denied, um, I guess, Spielberg access to certain information or cooperation, whatever it might be. The fact that, he would, um, that, that Spielberg would even ask those agencies or at least that they would even comment on whether or not they're going to cooperate is, in my books, proof enough that they, they do have a finger on the pulse. Let's move on to another one. And I guess I'm going to preface it with a story about Mr. Paul Hellyer, and this was in um, regards to A Race to Witch Mountain. I received a telephone call from a Disney agent uh, just the year or so before this movie was made, about six to eight months before, and the Disney agent wanted me to contact Mr. Hellyer to use his voice at the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you remember the, uh, the famous quote that, uh, that uh, Mr. Hillier used in 2005, yeah. that airplanes or the UFOs are as real as the airplanes to fly over your head Mm -hmm. they wanted to use that quote that that very dramatic statement that he made at University of Toronto excuse me Um, and um, they said "Well, okay contact him (coughs) sorry about that
4: Uh,
3: in any case um, I contacted Paul at the time and knowing what I know about the Disney corporation I counseled him not to become involved in this movie because uh, mm-hmm. for perpetuity, his voice would be associated with with this movie. And my understanding through Andy Fickman, the director, that you can, as you can recount to us, there's a whole lot more to the CIA involvement, direct involvement in this movie. So, with that kind of preface, uh, you know, we could have had a, a Canadian cabinet minister with his voice uh, lended to a, a Disney Corporation movie that had uh, definite CIA connections. So, do you want to run us by the how this Andy Fickman got involved in that?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, Before I do that, literally very quickly, one of the other things I forgot to mention here was that Disney is also directly tied to one of the world's largest defense contractors, Boeing, uh, at a director's board level. So John Bryson, who is currently one of the directors of the Disney company, is simultaneously one of the directors of the Boeing company. Uh, I would say that's a pretty strong conflict of interest. On the one hand, you've got him making all this magic for kids, and on the other hand, making bombs that kill kids. You got it. You got it. Um, and, you know, of course, Bob, I stress Boeing because Boeing has, has been tied um, to to the UFO issue as well for many years. Mm-hmm. So that's another one to keep in mind. Um, but, yes, with regard to *Race to Witch Mountain, um, this is a film uh, made in 2009. And it's a film in which Nordic extraterrestrials, these blonde, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, uh, human-looking beings arrive on Earth and they are pursued by a, a menacing extraterrestrial who's trying to kill them and hurt uh, and Uh, her humanity in the process. Um, Now, this was a remake of Disney's um, Escape to Witch Mountain um, from 1975. Um, And this was a film that officially had no military or government support. Um, But what I found interesting was comments made by Fickman shortly after the film's release during his uh, publicity for the film uh, publicity campaign for the film, and someone actually said to a newspaper, he said, "Oh, we had CIA on the film, supporting us, like advising us." And I thought, oh, that's strange." I thought, "Well, the CIA historically not tend not to involve themselves in films uh, which, well, which depict UFOs, full stop, or also which, uh, uh, in, and also in which the, the CIA is not depicted on screen? So the CIA only helps films in which the CIA is actually depicted on screen, because otherwise it has nothing to offer." Um, where And the CIA aren't depicted on screen in Race to Witch Mountain. There is no CIA in Race to Witch Mountain um, as characters or as an agency, as a fictional agency. So I thought, why would the CIA be involved in this film? So um, I actually contacted Fickman uh, a year or so ago, a couple of years ago, and I interviewed him at length. And he gave me this fascinating testimony. And he said that, yes, indeed, we did have a CIA agent on set throughout the shoot, um, but that he was working... Uh, I don't want to say off the books. It was, it was. What it, I mean, it was essentially. But this is unknown to Fickman. Fickman thought this guy was working in an, in an official capacity, but it turns out that he wasn't, um, or that he was working off the books, because Fickman said that um, this guy he he came into the production through backdoor channels, and that he was a, a, a colonel uh, in the air force. This guy was an active colonel as well as being CIA operative. Um, he had a background in technical intelligence and satellite imagery and things like that. And he worked in Hollywood for many years. Um, uh, he would not give me this guy's name. I've tried many times to get Fikman to give me this guy's name and he won't do it. Um, but, uh, he said that this guy was actually present throughout the shoot. And he said that this agent actually helped design, well, not helped, but actually completely designed the on-camera alien language that you see in the film, in the spaceship at the end of the film, and all of the digital graphics that that, uh, are represented on screen um, as being alien, he designed. And uh, he said, and this is a quote from Fickman, he said all of the on-camera alien language in terms of their spaceship and everything he said all of that was designed by him in the sense of what the mathematics of communication would be so there would be a, a similar mathematical equation that the government probably has if they were to ever come across an alien race so a lot of things that we were ended up using were the things that he was bringing to me and the next thing you know that's what i had on screen that's a pretty remarkable quote it is CIA, indeed cia agent working on on, a, on an alien movie and um, so I would, you know, I, I pressed Fickman on this, and um, I also questioned the CIA on this. I, I actually asked the CIA Public Affairs Office if they were involved in the film. And Paula Weiss, the media spokeswoman for the CIA uh, Public Affairs Office, replied to me, and I quote: "To the best of our collective knowledge, in the Media Relations Office, we did not provide any technical or other support to this production." Um, and she later sent another email to me saying that, you know, perhaps it could have been. Perhaps Fickman was mistaken, perhaps the, the director was mistaken, and that uh, then it was another alphabet soup agency That's involved. why he
2: was off the books, so that he, they had plausible deniability. All right, back right, with uh, more of our conversation with Robbie Graham and Victor Vigiani, Hollywood. Silver Screen Saucers, that's the uh, the blog. You can follow Robbie Graham, silverscreensaucers.blogspot.com. Stay with us. Stephen Bassett coming up at the bottom of the hour, talking about
1: the Disclosure Petition 2. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To get to the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show. With Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. As I said, uh,
2: UFO disclosure advocate Stephen Bassett will join us at the bottom of the hour to discuss uh, his efforts to uh, launch a second disclosure petition on the um, uh, White House We the People uh, um, uh, website. And uh, this one has to do with the uh, the Rockefeller Initiative, among other things. Uh, This is... After the U.S. Uh, government ended their 64-year silence on the UFO uh, issue by, uh, uh, I guess, answering the the um, the call of the petition uh, peti- disclosure petition one, and said that uh, in short, we have no knowledge of UFOs. There is no evidence of UFOs, and. Uh, that obviously didn't sit well with Stephen Bassett so he'll tell us all about disclosure petition 2 in just a few moments Robbie Graham stays with us again his blog is silver uh silver screen saucers and uh, uh Victor you want to follow up on the um, yeah. uh, the race to which mountain uh and the CIA's denying that uh, they were in, at all involved in that film. You had an interesting point.
3: Yeah, the I guess when when uh, Robbie mentioned Paula Weiss, uh, the media spokesperson for uh, for the CIA, um, I think Fickman also mentioned uh, Robbie. If you could expand upon this, that, that really nothing happened um, mm-hmm. uh, when when uh, I guess he was allowed to get into Cheyenne Mountain and and explore mm-hmm. NORAD, and nothing happened unless this guy made some calls.
4: That's right. Fickman told me that uh, also. The CIA advisor escorted them on a private trip to Cheyenne Mountain, to NORAD's facility at Cheyenne Mountain. Um, And this was in 2008, just a few weeks after the uh, famous Stephenville sightings had happened. And actually, Fickman, uh, in the presence of his CIA advisor, asked the heads of NORAD, because he was introduced to the heads of NORAD whilst there, um, he asked them directly about the Stephenville incident. And he said, you know, what, what, what was seen there? Did you guys send up jets? And he said that uh, the the NORAD had uh, they issued him a non-denial denial, which he said was very telling. He said that they he said, you know, if if there were jets and you know if there was an object in the area, then we may or may not have sent up jets and all this kind of stuff. But what was interesting there was the fact that he was taken to Cheyenne Mountain by his CIA advisor. and he said, and this is a quote again: nothing happened at NORAD without the advisor flashing his card and making his calls. Fickman was adamant that this guy was not a retired agent, but he was that he was serving. He was active, and uh, uh, you know, so this is this is this is quite remarkable. Um, so, to me, this case has implications. It uh, it does suggest that the agency does uh, have a deeper involvement in Hollywood than it lets on. And again, this really shouldn't come as as much surprise because, you know, CIA's covert. Uh, manipulation of, of entertainment media goes back to the 1950s. Uh, all of the stuff that it did in the 1950s in Hollywood was was secret. Um and it was also illegal. Um, and uh, you know cuz it's manipulating uh public opinion it, it, you know in America it's it's kind of operating covertly on 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 uh, domestic soil. Uh, so it was going beyond its remit and I and I still think that today the CIA goes beyond its remit uh, beyond the remit of its liaison office. Uh, as I say, the public liaison office, I suspect, is is, is little more than a public front. Um, if you're the CIA, then you're going to want to control uh, the media uh, to the greatest extent possible. Are you able and to look at a didn't... film
2: – sorry, Robbie – are you able to look at a film, or Victor, to you as well, and say – a, a, a film about UFOs or aliens, and say, ah, that's got um, uh, CIA fingerprints all over it, or oh, that that the message coming out there, that's definitely Office of Naval Intelligence.
3: Well, I can I can say something about that, and and Robbie, I'd, I'd like you to take off in my comments about this. My all-time favorite movie is *The Day the, uh, the Earth Stood Still*. Uh, with uh, Michael Rennie, I think, was the main character in that. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, one of the, the UFO films, uh, of the nature of which I think set the tone for a lot of the belief system around the UFO issue, both politically and, I guess, with, with respect to government involvement. Give and us a, th- a
2: synopsis for those who haven't seen the, the, the Earth.
3: Well, still. basically, Alien uh, comes to the Earth. They, the, everything uh, everything uh, kind of stands still because the alien wants to... And it's a very well-done movie. It's, 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 I've, I've watched the movie a dozen times late 50s more. late 50s well, made in 52 i believe uh, 51. 51. 51 in any case uh, this alien comes to the planet uh, meets with or tries to meet with all the scientists of the world and this is not given to him the united states gets involved and he says well if you're not going to listen to me we have a, a way of uh, making our point so he shuts off all the electricity in the whole planet for for several minutes or hours or whatever it happens to be and uh th- th- the point is, you guys here on Earth, the alien is saying this to the planet Earth people. You guys have got to get your, your act together because you're at the precipice of, of launching yourself out into space. And we will not deal with your aggressiveness or we can deal with your aggressiveness and your war tendencies out in the uh, in the interplanetary you know venues of space. And we're not going to let you do it. You are far too aggressive. You've got to get your act together. And I think that message basically is the one that uh, most ufologists believe that that's one of the reasons why the, the ET presence is here on the planet. Now, I, I believe that that's a, just a point of view. But I guess the, my question to you, Robbie, that, that film, how much more sophisticated has the CIA or other you know, agencies' involvement become since 1951 until now? Is the level of sophistication the same? Do they still have their finger in the pie? Or are they doing more to shape, uh, the, the, uh, I guess, the points of view of the public with respect to this? Issue.
4: oh i would say vastly more i would say it's become vastly more sophisticated um as i say i i, I think that all you have to do is look at the model uh, for the cia's manipulation of news media and infiltration of news media they had guys and uh, um uh, as i say going back to that quote that i said you know that i gave you there uh, by the cia's own admission by uh, by the by the mid 1970s and, and certainly by the 1990s the CIA had relationships with reporters from every wire service, newspaper, newsweekly, and television network in the nation Um, and uh, you know it's insanity to think that this relationship doesn't extend to entertainment media Um, why wouldn't it And, and indeed we know that it did in the 1950s and there are a number of examples you can point to where the CIA is known to have covertly influenced movies in the 1950s and 60s so to think that it suddenly ceased these operations all of a sudden for no no apparent reason, is, 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 is madness. Of course, it's, it's continued to do this, but I think that it's become more deeply embedded. It's become uh, uh, much more covert. Uh, and I think is how they do it, is, is they simply have assets. They have friendly, some paid, some unpaid assets uh, throughout the industry. Um, this is not to say that the whole of Hollywood is CIA. Of course it's not. You know, you only need a few people within the agency at certain choke points. At certain points of influence, to be able to uh, wield considerable control. Um, so, so that, that you know, that's how it works. And, 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 you know, there are there are films, of course, which we can point to in the modern era where we know the CIA has has been involved because they they do they do, they've done so uh, publicly. So, TV series such as The Agency, the, uh, the film The Recruit, TV series Alias with Jennifer Garner, Jag. Uh, The film Bad Company, the the film The Sum of All Fears of Ben Affleck, all of these received official CIA support, and all of them promote a very positive image of the CIA, and they present a certain image of America and America's enemies. Um, But as I say, you've got the the public involvement and then the covert involvement. And the covert involvement is, I think, more along the lines of what you saw on Race to Witch Mountain, where you had subtle manipulation uh, of, of script content, it's off the books, they're not accountable to anyone, and uh, no one really asks any questions. And, uh, and I think that very few people bat an eyelid because the relationship between Hollywood and the national security state has become so symbiotic over the years that uh, people don't question it. People don't think that it's sinister in any way. Um, or undemocratic, but of course
3: it is. That's that's what I want to ask you. Why do you think, I have my own opinions on it, why do you think that people don't question this matrix that's been built around us? And my colleague here sitting to my left uh, has said yes in one of your promotions, I think, Richard, just say if you if you think that Oswald shot you know, Kennedy, you're living in Disneyland. Um, you know, th- you've got this sort of matrix that we're living in. Why don't people question it a little bit more? I mean, I, I'm fascinated by that.
4: Uh, because people are too busy watching American Idol, there's <laughs> more, it's more yeah. important things to do, Victor. <laughs> you know? um, so they think. Sad, I do. It's a sad fact. I think we're too distracted with other nonsense.
2: I think it's um, self-preservation. I, I did, think,
4: and I think you right, no, you're right. It is partly self-preservation. I think that we, we I think that part of us sees that, sees uh, the reality, uh, and we don't like it, and so we, we we choose to distract ourselves um, because I think a lot of people feel disempowered, they feel helpless, they feel they can't do anything about it anyway. They don't understand the system because it's so complex, therefore they'll just leave it for someone else to sort out. Robbie, well, be
2: very quickly, uh, we're almost out of time here, but once uh, you are a PhD candidate, once you are a full-fledged PhD and uh, your thesis is, is published and is available in, in libraries and so forth, uh, where do you take it from here?
4: Um, well, your book PhD. yes that's right well i'm currently uh working on a book and um i'm very pleased to be able to announce that uh, bryce zabel the hollywood producer the creator of dark skies and the co-author of uh, ad after disclosure with uh, richard dolan bryce and i have teamed up for a joint book tv project uh so i'm currently writing a book on ufos in hollywood called silver screen sources sorting fact from fantasy and hollywood ufo movies With the assistance
2: of the Office of Naval Intelligence? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
4: And Bryce has helped uh, develop uh, this book with me um, uh, at a conceptual level, and he'll also be writing the foreword for the book. Now, uh, excitingly, he'll also be optioning the book as source material for a TV documentary series which also will be called Silver Screen Sources. Uh, It's going to be uh, an eight-chapter book, about 80,000 words, and it's really designed to encourage the reader to, uh, I think, more thoughtfully consider the role of cinema in their everyday lives uh, and its significance uh, specifically in relation to the UFO ET issue. Um, uh, It's tracing back uh, to, to, to its roots, really, Hollywood, Obsession with UFOs and extraterrestrial visitation, uh, and it does explore to some extent the um, the real life inspiration behind uh, certain Hollywood UFO movies. Um, so, really, what the book is, is is largely cultural, but there will be an examina- examination of the political interplay between UFO movies and uh, and UFOs as well, from 1950 to, to now. Uh, and it's I, I hope really that you know both before uh, and after. Uh, disclosure um because I think that there will come a time uh, come such a time uh, that you know the book might serve as um, i suppose a useful guide um through this uh, uh cultural labyrinth you know that, that is uFO cinema helping sort ufological facts from fiction and uh, so there 'll be a whole chapter examining um, government 's interest in involvement in UFO movies, expanding greatly on what we 've talked about here tonight. Um, but as I say, for the most part, it will be concerned with sort of history and representation, specifically how Hollywood chooses to represent ufological events and how the industry draws from and i suppose distorts uh, UFO literature uh, and debate. And uh, the the book, um, excuse me, the TV series, will closely mirror the content and structure of the book.
3: Well, uh, Um,
2: good luck with that, Robbie, and and, uh, really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you.
4: Oh, no problem. Thank you.
2: Silver Screen Saucers is the, uh, the blog. Robbie Graham back with Stephen Bassett and a disclosure petition for the We the People, Your Voice in
1: Government website. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Poking holes in the darkness... The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740.
2: Cookies and that song is entitled "Nothing Concealed" and it was uh, uh, written and composed, recorded exclusively for the Conspiracy Show. And I'm very honored that the uh, the boys in the band did that. All right, uh, there. Say what you will about the uh, the Barack Obama administration, um, but at least on the surface they are taking steps to uh, engage uh, the public uh, um, and, and to give them a voice in their own government uh, witness uh, the website www.whitehouse.gov forward slash petitions it's called we the people your voice in our government and it gives Americans a way to engage their government on the issues that matter to them and it allows people to to launch petitions uh, for example, on the website, you've got uh, a petitions uh, taking action to reduce the burden of student loan debt. And if you gather enough signatures, the petition gets uh, placed on the We the People website. And then hopefully the, the, the Barack Obama administration will then, they, vow, they will respond to that uh, petition. Well, then comes, along comes, a UFO registered lobbyist. Uh, or a, a rather, a registered lobbyist in Washington on the UFO issue and a, a UFO disclosure advocate who launches a petition on We the People concerning the UFO issue, asking for the government to formally acknowledge that uh, we are being engaged by extraterrestrials. Well, this resulted in rather historical. Uh, a moment back in uh, the winter of 2011. It meant the end of the uh, the US government's 64-year silence on the UFO issue. And here to tell us more about that and a more recent petition initiative is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, Stephen G. Bassett. Hello, Stephen. Welcome once again to The Conspiracy Show. Hi. Good to be with you, fellas. Okay, so, first of all, tell us, the, the Disclosure Petition 1, uh, which was launched on We the People, you gathered sufficient signatures, and you got a response, not the one you were looking for.
5: Forgive me. Well, it is the one we were looking for, really, in a way. Uh, no, definitely. The point of Disclosure Petition 1 was to put the issue on the White House website itself, in front of the world, uh, anyone in the world can go to that site, including members of the uh, Congress, military, agencies, whatever. We put the disclosure issue right there, namely requesting that Obama disclose the extraterrestrial presence and release all files and military and agencies regarding UFOs. The response we got back on the 4th, after we got 12,000 signatures, was interesting. It was short to the point and hard-lined. It came from the Office of Science and Technology Policy and it stated unequivocally that there is no evidence, and never has been, that there is any life outside the planet Earth, or that any non-human intelligence from elsewhere has engaged any member of the human race, or any evidence at all that the U.S. government has been hiding anything. What's notable about that is that it's completely false and indefensible. But what's particularly notable about it, and this was the goal of the petition all along, was that this was the first time since the Constitutional Republic was formed back in the 1700s that the executive branch of the U.S. government has ever put a position on this issue in writing. That was a major breakthrough because that means that we have a stationary target that they cannot walk away from or deny that we can go directly after which is not going to be that difficult, break that position, show it to be false, and the truth embargo. So that was the, the purpose of the first petition. Oh, so you are anticipating
2: this kind of response then?
5: Oh yes. You were the whole purpose was not to get Obama to disclose based on twelve thousand signatures. It was to get the White House under their own rules that they set up at that website to respond to that position. They could have chosen not to respond, but under under respond, but under their own rules it would have been very, very difficult. And so they did. And they also mentioned that well, yeah, but we are looking for extraterrestrials with the SETI program uh and the Kepler telescope. It's the usual stuff. Hard line, completely indefensible. Good. That's what we wanted. Now,
2: okay. So, petition number two comes along, and what is the wording there?
5: Well, the the purpose of position petition number two uh, was it's multi multi purposes. One, to again keep the issue alive on the White House website before the world. Uh, two, to go after uh if possible to use the that petition itself to go after the position uh or the statement rather from from the white house regarding the et issue the response on november the 4th to do both at the same time and of course raise public awareness and draw the media in so this the second petition was carefully crafted and it's been waiting to be it's a card waiting to be played for 16 years but it's always been in our hand, but we just did not have the ability to play it and get the response we wanted. And that is this, that the disclosure petition two is we petitioned the Obama administration to immediately investigate uh, UFO ET investigation efforts uh, during the Clinton administration from 1993 to 1996 at the behest, and I'm paraphrasing here, of Clinton friend billionaire Lawrence Rockefeller. This is the Achilles heel of the truth embargo, and has been from the beginning. Lawrence Rockefeller uh, started to – he was quite old. He started to slip quite a bit. Mental faculties not long after the 96, and really was out of the game until his death, uh, I think in 2005, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but nevertheless, this effort went on for three years. It's fully documented in a thousand pages of files obtained from the Office of Science and Technology Policy under the Freedom of Information Act by Grant Cameron in two thousand. We submitted copies of these to a couple of major newspapers, including the Washington Post, they wanted nothing to do with it. Since two thousand, numerous press releases have been sent out, open letters to Hillary Clinton, Obama, and so forth, uh mentioning this initiative, no responses, no coverage, and so forth. Okay, fine. However, if not it wouldn't go away and it couldn't go away and here's why. And this is the punchline. And this is mentioned in the petition sitting on the White House website right now. And by the way, uh, your listeners can easily get info while they're listening, if they're on the web, by going to the information hub for this, which is disclosure petition dot info. DisclosurePetition.info. That's the information hub. The petition to sign sits up on the White House website. But of course, you can find at DisclosurePetition.info, direct link right to it. And you've got
2: 3,161 signatures on the petition right now. You're looking for 25,000 by March 24th.
5: The petition was launched on 4 p.m. on February 23rd in coordination with Substantial Media. As a result, we're up to about 3,100. We're running about 1,000 a day, Uh, but obviously we've got to keep this pace up. But why is that important? What's going on here? What's going on here is that if we get 25,000, because they raised the the threshold from five to 25,000 back in October, so higher barrier. If we get 25,000 signatures, then the White House will be will be required to respond to this petition. Now, what makes this petition far more difficult for the White House and raises the prospect of significant media engagement of the issue? Political media engagement, unlike we've ever seen before. What is the difference? Very simple. As demonstrated in the documents that we have, Right, from the Office of Science and Technology Policy 1993 to 1996 and other research has been done, we know that people that were directly involved in this initiative to get Bill Clinton to release all UFO files and to initiate new investigations, in other words, end the truth embargo back in 1993, 4-5, included President Bill Clinton, First Lady Hillary Clinton, now Secretary of State, his Chief of Staff, Leon Panetta, now Secretary of Defense, formerly CIA Director as well, John Podesta, his advisor, then chief of staff, then the transition chairman for Obama, and a major advisor in the Democratic Party, John Podesta. Vice President Al, Al Gore, now Nobel Prize winner, world trapsing environmentalist, All right? Bill Richardson, former Secretary of Energy under Clinton, tapped to be Secretary of Commerce under Obama, former Governor of New Mexico, and of course presidential candidate, as was Hillary Clinton. These are major, major figures in American politics and in the Democratic Party, three of which have run for president, one of which has been president, and not a single one of them, even though they knew about this initiative or involved in it, have ever spoken publicly in the 16 years since that initiative ended, or, or while it was going on. Uh, Nor have they ever been asked a single question by the, by the political press, other than under the sort of understandings of the truth embargo. And now, 16 years later, that initiative, and those names, and two links to the confirming documents up on the web. You can download them. You can read them. One is at the Grant Cameron site, one is at the Paradigm Research Group site, are sitting right now on the White House website, for everyone in the world to look at and they will be up there for at least 30 days while we try to gather the 25,000 signatures. If we get those signatures it will remain up until the White House responds sometime in mid April. So what I'm saying is if any anyone who who believes it's time for the human race to know the truth about this ET reality or at least learn that they're here. Anyone thinks they have the right to know the truth about this that they have a need to know it and is tired of this game going on any longer however justified it was during the cold war it's no longer justified they can possibly make some history here if they will take the few minutes it takes to go to the whitehouse.gov website into the we the people section find this petition and sign it or go to disclosurepetition.info and go to the direct link to the petition, and then this direct link is going to be spread all over the internet. Let me mention. People say, "Well, why would the press cover this?" Uh, let me mention that the first petition, which was rather basic and not not overly controversial, Obama, please disclose ET presence and release the files. That petition received hundreds of articles in multilanguages languages all over the world and quite a few video um, pieces. In fact, that petition received more press coverage than all of the posted petitions to the White House website at that time combined.
2: All right, listen, I've got to take a break, uh, Stephen. Let's uh, take a time out. We'll come back and reconvene on the other side and continue to discuss the disclosure petition, too. Uh, and we'll tell you again how you can get involved. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show right after this.
1: Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Stephen G. Bassett is the executive
2: director of the Paradigm Research Group and uh, the disclosure petition two, now up on the We the People website, the White House uh, government uh, website. They need 25,000 signatures uh, by March the 24th and they have 3,100 hundred. They're uh, they're getting about 1,000 signatures to this petition uh, a day. So they're, they're, they're on track, but we need uh, continued support. And again, this uh, website or this uh, petition has to do with the Rockefeller Initiative. Very quickly, again, for those just joining us, uh, uh, Stephen, explain the significance of the Rockefeller Initiative.
5: It was an effort by a close friend of the Clintons, billionaire Lawrence Rockefeller, after the Cold War ended in 1993, started in March the 20, 30, 29th, to report, get a report to him, to meet with him, to convince uh, Bill Clinton to release all UFO files in the government hands, military services, agencies, the works, and certainly to re- re-up investigations since things had been shut down, at least in the public domain, since '69. It would have effectively ended the truth embargo and made Clinton the disclosure president. I can assure you the military intelligence community was not happy about that. It went on for three years. There were many researchers involved. They met at Rockefeller's ranch to plan strategy. There were reports. There were meetings. Then Bill and, uh, Bill, Bill and Hillary Clinton actually visited uh, Rockefeller during the initiative in 1995 at his ranch in Wyoming where they discussed it, uh, and on and on. And then we have 1,000 documents obtained by uh, FOIA submission. To the OSTP, that was Grant Cameron's work, that confirm all of this. So this effort back then, of course, came to an end in 96 and didn't go anywhere. But it happened, and we can prove it, and many of the principals on on the public side that were involved, the researchers, are alive. I mean they can step forward tomorrow and testify to their involvement. But it's the people that on the government side that we're interested in. And because those individuals went on uh, to become and remain very powerful figures, three of which wanted to actually be the President of the United States, one was the President of the United States, they, they hold extremely powerful positions. And yet they have felt it is not necessary for them to ever say a word about this Rockefeller initiative that went on in the White House at taxpayers' expense regarding the ET issue. So this is a perfect example of the Lewis Carolian bizarre charade that's going on this kind of dismiss, uh, dismissing of the public's interest and need to know, a sort of, we're better than you, we know what's best, don't talk to us, don't ask, don't tell, we'll take care of these things when we're good and ready, but you don't need to know and don't want to know. And it's gotten even so bad that the president is on a need-to-know basis, and he can't even access the file. So from that so point so of, it's a mess, and it's got to win.
3: Yeah, so from that point of view, Steve, um, just yeah. looking ahead, you, you anticipated the uh, response from the first petition, and I think you pretty much right. got what you anticipated. Um, let's look ahead here, about a month now uh, from here, uh, and the White House, you know, you get your $25,000. What is the White House thinking right now as to how they're going to respond to the fact that this all this stuff did happen with the Rockefeller? How can they possibly sure. respond to this? What would you—
5: I can't imagine. I, I, it is going to be impossible for them, but it's worse than that. Because as, the, as we start to approach 25,000 signatures, and the political press, which is following this, realize that a response is, is very likely to have will be triggered, they're going to get even more interested. They're going to start reading uh, the uh, documents. They're going to go to the websites that are listed in that petition, and conceivably, any number of high-end reporters may actually start asking the right questions of Hillary Clinton, Leon Panetta, John Podesta, Bill Clinton. And then I can tell you things could get very interesting very, very quickly. Even, if, even,
3: even if you don't get to 25,000, they could start looking at this at even 17,000. They
5: could. But look, you know, based on the polling, approximately uh, eight, uh, 80% of 300 million adults, 240 million Americans, based on the polling, believe the government's lying about this. Approximately 150 million believe that it is extraterrestrial in origin, and that's just the United States. Similar numbers in Canada. Right? There are tens upon hundreds of millions of people that know this thing is, is real, that there's an E.T. issue here, and don't, don't believe their governments. Look, if they're going to passively do nothing, then I guarantee you nothing's going to change. And this is, this is characteristic of a lot of issues out there. We need 25,000 people. Uh, here's what we need. Right? Here's what I'm asking people to do. One, they need to go to the White House website either by whitehouse.gov or through the direct link select the petition they want to sign. They will then have to create an account. There'll be a button there, create an account. You click on that. The White House will send you an email. I'm sorry. You create an account. You have to put in your first and last name, your email address, and then optional city, state, city, country zip code. They will send you back an email with a verification link and a password. You then use the password, click the link, then use the password to log back in, And then you can sign the petition and any other petitions that you want. And when you sign, your signature will be recorded on the White House website for all to see. But it will just be your first name and last initial. That's what everyone has to do. Now, secondly, we need them to to spread the direct link to that petition through their social networks, Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, through their email list, through websites using banner links from DisclosurePetition.info, spread the link and get 10 20 other people at least to know about it who could then sign and then thirdly if they're so disposed there is a feedback uh, button at the we the people White site and there, they may want to send a brief respectful note Saying that they've signed the petition, they considered extremely important, and they expect a comprehensive, appropriate response from the White House. That's also powerful. But the key thing is sign the petition. These are the three things that have to happen.
2: And again, you're asking and the 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 uh, Barack Obama administration to immediately investigate UFO ET disclosure efforts during the Clinton administration, and that was the uh, the Rockefeller Initiative. What if they, what if they they craft an answer to something like this? Well, we looked into it, and. Uh, yes, uh, a private citizen, Lawrence Rockefeller, uh, did ask the Clinton administration to disclose or, or, or move towards disclosure. But since there's nothing to disclose, the initiative went nowhere.
5: So for three years, they're spending pac- taxpayers' money to look in the evidence of this issue. By the way, there was a book written about the evidence that was submitted to them called UFOs, The Best Evidence, that was a report generated there. Uh, and then apparently... You know, if, if, if there was nothing there and they have kind of concluded that it was nothing to this, given the fact that this is one of the most controversial issues in the world and they said nothing to the press or anybody else to try to pretend it didn't happen, let me tell you, they can come up with any response they want, but it's all going to come down to a similar situation we had about 20 years ago. No, 20 years ago? No, no, a little, a little bit more, 12 years ago. When Bill Clinton stood in front of the press and said, I never had sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the press knew they were lying, and that made them very angry. And then a feeding frenzy, media feeding frenzy began, and that was the ball game because a, meeting, a media feeding frenzy, nothing can stop it. Now, the situation we're in is that we've put the White House in a position where they either have to out-lie lie, lie to the press, say nothing at all or try to come up with a legitimate response which could very well be truthful any of those three get the same results boom so they're going to have they have a real task I'm not saying they can't they can't solve the problem I'm only saying that we are putting them in a position and we are putting this issue in a place where engagement, not only by the U.S. media, but world media. And remember, as I said earlier, anybody can sign this. Canadians, Mexicans, Ecuadorians, Aleutians, anyone can sign it if they have an email address and a computer. And so are there 25,000 people in the world today that can sign that position before petition before March 23rd? I hope so, but we can't sign it for them. They actually have to do it. Uh, best we can do is tell as many people spread the word so they know about this wonderful opportunity, participatory democracy and and by the way, over t- nearly tw- twenty thousand petitions have been submitted. People really do want to engage the government of those about four hundred and fifty got the one hundred and fifty signatures needed to be posted, and of the four hundred and fifty that were posted fifty three have so far gotten a response from the White House, and one of those was disclosure petition. One All right
3: so we're
5: we're actually out there we 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 have made a clear statement we've gotten media coverage uh recently uh in in uh, Google uh blacked out its logo and put a little link to a petition opposing the SOPA and PIPA uh, anti piracy bills because they felt that it wasn't uh, they weren't written well, and there's a better way to do this and still protect proprietary rights in twenty four hours, seven million people signed that petition twenty four hours later, the sponsors and backers of the bill stepped back, tabled it. that was that. Now that's people power. Now that was uh, you know online piracy and uh, a bill that that might have infringed on 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 um, access to websites and so forth. This is about the presence of extraterrestrials engaging the planet. for God knows how long and the disclosure of which could open up unfathomable opportunities for the human race. We don't need 7 million. We need 25,000.
3: Let's preempt 25, the...
5: 25,000 people ready to step up for the truth. I sure hope so.
3: Let's just preempt we'll the media frenzy. Let's let preempt the, the media frenzy very quickly. Talk yeah. to journalists that are out there, any journalist who wants to get their finger in this pie before the, the fit hits the shan, so to speak. What are you going to say to them? quickly? You got 60 seconds.
5: I'm going to say that, look, you you had a tough time during the Cold War. It really couldn't be approached. You sort of knew that. You went along with the truth embargo. It's now 21 years later. There's a kind of institutionalized embargo. But this is the greatest news story of all time with huge implications. We've just provided you the names of some of the most powerful people in the world and the documents that show that clearly they knew about this or were involved in this issue. Uh, You now have essentially the license to go after this story and do your job as the fourth estate Represent the American people, and that is also true of Canadian journalists as well. Take it or don't take it, but you know, at some point you've got to decide w- what you are. Are you a journalist, or Are you simply mouthpieces for the government?
2: That's what I would say. Stephen, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you again. Quickly, the uh, the link to uh, sign the petition. Dis-
5: disclosurepetition.info is the is the information center. You'll, get, you'll see a direct link right to the petition, or you can go to whitehouse.gov and we, the people, find the petition. It's near the top of submitted petitions. Click on it, and then you have to open an account, unless you already have one, in which case you can sign in a few seconds. All right.
2: Everybody listening in earshot, please sign right now. All right. Thank you, Stephen. All right, fellas.
3: Good night. Bye-bye. Victor, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's been enlightening, instructive, and just a joy. All right, back next week with a brand new program.
2: Hope you'll be along for the ride, David Gaskin. Thank you, thank you to Stephen Bassett and uh, Robbie Graham as well. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. Which you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night.